Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. Well, it's great to be back with you folks for this 142nd podcast as we continue on uh, with our series about Job, the greatest trial uh, trials. And uh, as we go on, this is our 142nd podcast. And let me explain that to you. We actually put in a special podcast last week, which would be two weeks ago, your time, on the podcast. We put in my personal testimony. And uh, we're going to be putting Stephanie's in real soon and uh, on a Saturday. We wanted to do that. Some of you have been asking about our testimonies and things like that. But good morning, Stephanie. How are you this morning? Good morning, Doug. I'm doing pretty awesome. Oh, that's great. And here we are with uh, our good mornings actually in sync and working out and things are going well. Uh, Stephanie just came back from her family. Uh, God allowed them to have a few days away down at the Ark and uh, the Creation Museum. So, Stephanie, would you recommend those places? I would. We had, oh my, just we learned so much. The kids loved it. My four-year-old said, I wish I could stay here forever. <laughs> so, when your four-year-old says that, you know, it's been a good, a good experience. Yeah. So, everything was sad for it to end. She's pretty awesome. And so we're, we find ourselves in chapter nine and so much has been going on in the book of Job. And there's your recommendation for, uh, by the way, for the Ark and uh, uh, for the Creation Museum. Stephanie said she loved everything except the food. And the food may be this whole COVID thing that's going on. Uh, they're getting kind of septic or something. With it. So bring your own food for the time being. But uh, she loved everything else about it. But here we are, and we find ourselves in Job, and so many things have happened here, Stephanie. It starts off with Job is this rich farmer. He's got everything going for him. He's got this beautiful family. Beautiful. He's got all the money. He's got all the cattle. Uh, his kids like each other. The daughters and sons are getting along. I mean, this is a family that's right with God. They're going out of their way to get along with each other. They're having each other over for dinner. You know, it's not something that's just pushed together. It's real. And, and boy, I think God wants realness in our relationships. And, and, uh, and then, uh, then the terrible happens, the catastrophe. Uh, I, I mean, the worst trials, the greatest trials of all time come together. And, and, and one after another, Job loses his children. He loses his servants, and he, uh, most of them. And he loses his flocks. He loses his animals. And before you know it, Job has shaved his head. And he, he's got a robe on, man. And he's, his home, what used to be his home, what used to be his buildings, kind of looks like the town dump, maybe even worse. Because we got to remember just how rich Job was. I mean, everything is just in piles. And, and all of a sudden, his friends show up. And, and his friends are a mixed bag. And, and we've talked about that. We've already heard from Mrs. Job. And uh, we've heard from the friends. And, you know, Mrs. Job comes along. And, and, and she's pretty negative, man. She's suffering from depression. And I get it. We, we've already said on this broadcast that... Uh, you know, we, we got to be careful with Mrs. Joe, man. She's going through the fire. And, uh, and, and then come the friends. And so the friends come along. And we've already dealt with Eliphaz. And uh, uh, what do you remember about Eliphaz, Stephanie? What comes to your mind with what he said? Um, I think Eliphaz was not as bad as Bildad. No, Bildad's um, total knucklehead. Bildad's a, a complete narcissist. Eliphaz, I think... Yeah really loved Job um, in the sense of he was a knucklehead, but he did love Job. 
and he just honestly um, had a mindset that many have today that Job was in trouble because he had done something against God and Eliphaz in his mind is confronting him with truth and there's things that Eliphaz says that are true Um, but his but the problem with Eliphaz's prerequisite was assuming that Job was in sin assuming that this was God's judgment on Job um, or chastisement for sin in his life but Eliphaz um, I would say is a isn't you know if we're going to compare he's not as much of a knucklehead as bill dad well on the knucklehead factor matters on this broadcast and uh so then we come up with bill dad the shoe height and so in the middle of that in the midst of all that uh here comes joe but he speaks and and quite frankly he wants the day that he was born eliminated from the calendar he is uh you're looking at a guy who's saying man i can't even believe i'm here everything uh, you know it seems like all his goals his beliefs were gone and and friends i know there's some of you listening to us right now that have lost some of your goals and some of your dreams and i'm looking through zoom at one lady who lost her husband there these trials and you know what i found i've been studying like crazy on trials where we're getting ready to have a christian camp at uh, camp joy wisconsin to help people with ptsd and and as i've been studying and as i've been going through things i've really been looking at trials and, and, and folks, we got to understand that, that judgment and trials come from two areas. They, uh, they either come uh, to straighten us out because we're knuckleheads. And I found the more I read about that in the Bible and stuff, it's a, it's a small amount of, uh, of people. And, and then the other trials come, or the other reasons, so of the two, the other one comes along um, because, because like Job, God wants to make an example out of Job. God, God wants to show people around Job what his strength can do through a guy like Job. And, and let me tell you something, friends. If you're in the midst of a trial, let God show what God can do through that trial in your life. No matter what reason you have the trial, let it be God's strength through you. You know, Let that trial turn into a shining light. Let that trial be a trophy of God's grace. Let, let your life take that trial and turn it into something magnificent. Turn it into something that'll change everything. And, and boy, God can use it. So then we end up, and, and so build that to shoe height gets done, Job gets done, uh, or Job gets ready to get going here in chapter 9. And uh, there's a lot going on in chapter 9. And what Stephanie and I just decided is we're going to look at about 10 verses at a pop here. And uh, if we don't make it through, that's okay. Uh, but we're pretty excited to do this. And uh, so here we go. It says, Job answered and said, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God. Boy, that's some tough stuff right there. He's complaining. He's, you know, how can I do this? Uh, if he will contend with him, he cannot answer him one of the thousand. And he's talking about how many people God's got working for him there. He said, he is wise in heart and mighty in strength, and he have hardened himself against him and have prospered, which removeth the mountains and they know not, which overturneth them in his anger, which spaketh the earth out of her place, in the pillows thereof tremble, which commandeth the sun that riseth not, and sealeth up the stars, which alone spreadeth out of the heavens, and treadeth upon the waves of the sea, which maketh Arcturus and Orion and, and Pleiades, and the chambers of the south, which doth great things past finding out, yea, and the wonders without number. So right away, Stephanie, he's, you know, Job's coming out of the chute, 
and uh, he's trying to uh, put things in order and give God the proper reverence. And, and I think Stephanie came up with a great name for this podcast as we went through it this morning, is Job's reverence of God. So immediately he goes into that reverence place. And, and I mean, what do you see in Stephanie when you look at those first few verses right out of the chute there? Uh, what's Job doing? Well, you, you see here, you know, Job's the earth. Job lived not long after the flood. And so what we see here is, you know, the earth was trying, you know, and we just were learning about this at the ark, but after the flood, the earth had to settle down, so to speak, and find its new normal. And obviously God was in control there. But I see Job describing here um, the, the tumult that the earth was in as a planet and um job sees god controlling all of that he sees god controlling the mountains um he sees him controlling the sun the stars the heavens the plant you know the planets yeah um all of this and i think um verse 10 and he says which doeth great things past finding out yay and wonders without number job is saying He's responding to Bildad saying, look, Bildad, I get it. God is God. And yeah. there's nothing, you know, there's nothing out of his control or nothing that's, um, that he's not seeing or um, capable of doing or handling. Yeah. And I, and I think that exactly. And, you know, I stop at verse three and four and, uh, and, it, and it's just kind of like God is, he, uh, Job's saying, who stands a chance against God? We're not, we're not going to argue with him. There's nothing I can do. I need to exalt him. I need to lift him up. I mean, you look at three and four and bam, right there in your face. And, uh, you know, who's going to contend with him? I mean, who's, you know, and, and truthfully, nobody stands a chance against God. And, and in Job's humility, right? here and and in defense of Job right here we're seeing something I think is a pretty powerful thing and and, and then we go on to 11 so he, I I like Stephanie believe that uh, uh, here we are that you know the earth is being shaken by the flood uh, obviously uh, we're total creationists on this particular program we we believe every word of the Bible we believe in a literal creation of the world in six days we believe God rested on the seventh and uh, we're, we're sold out on all that and so when you see uh, things mentioned from the building of the earth, you immediately uh, go back and say, hey, I get that now. And that kind of makes sense. And you know, the other thing I was telling Stephanie just before we got going is it, in my mind, I went right back to chapter four and verse number 17. I wrote that down this morning. And uh, the verse says, shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? And these are the types of questions that are uh, you know, continue to pose themselves, Stephanie, over and over again in the book of Job. And these are good questions. You know, you know, when you're without God or when you're going through the greatest trial in your life, uh, these are these are very good questions. And, and so now, and I think those questions are being asked right there. I think Job is, and, and, and you know, they're asked by Bildad. I think that Job is kind of answering some of those things. I think there's still a question mark there. We'll see a little more of it. In verse 11, it says, Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not. He passeth on also, but I perceive him not. Behold, he taketh away. Who can hinder him? Who will say unto him, What doest thou? 
If God will not withdraw his anger, the proud helpers do stoop under him. How much less shall I answer him and choose out my words to reason with him? Whom thou I were righteous, yet would I not answer, but I would make supplication to my judge. If I had called and he had answered me, yet would I not believe that he had hearkened unto my voice? For he breaketh me with a tempest and multiplieth my wounds without cause. And he will not suffer me to take my breath, but filleth me with bitterness. If I search of strength, lo, he is strong. And if of judgment, who shall set me a time to plead? If I justify myself, mine own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it shall also prove me perverse. And and and, and he's going on, and, and there's so many things here. And uh, he's saying it, his wounds are being multiplied without cause. And, and friends, can I tell you something? We have a cause, and, and that cause is called sin. And uh, sin is the problem we have in the world. You know, read the book of Romans sometime, and uh, you know, we all fall short of the glory of God. And why sin? It's all because of that knucklehead Adam and Eve, you know, those knuckleheads. And uh, so because of them, one sin, friends, think about this. If it's not about sin, why did one sin change the entire world? Why did one sin uh, keep millions of people from going to heaven? Why did one sin completely change everything? And uh, friends, I'm here to tell you, it's because God hates sin. God is holy. God cannot be with sin, uh, cannot be around sin. He, he won't accept sin, but he gave us this wonderful sin substitute. And I didn't mean to go off, Stephanie, without asking any questions. I know you got some very good points out of these last 10 verses. And, and as we looked from uh, verse number 11 through 20, what were you thinking when we went through those? Well, I think... You know, at the end of um, the first round of trials, um, it says that Job, you know, did not curse God. He didn't um, He didn't turn his back on God. And I see that same heart here of Job realizing that God is is in the midst of this. but he it's he's it's clear he doesn't understand what God's doing. It's clear that. Um, I remember after Charles died, being at that point of saying, God, I love you with all of my heart. And this makes absolutely no sense. But, um, you know, I think when you're in the midst of a trial like this, you do view God as an angry judge and yeah. as someone who, you know, verse 18, he will not suffer me to take my breath and fill with, but fill with me with bitterness. And I don't think Job means bitterness in the sense of um, being angry towards God or an unforgiving spirit, like what we think of in terms of bitterness. I think he just means in terms of he's filled with grief, he's filled with sorrow. Um, when you think of bitter, you used to think of something that tastes awful, if you put it in terms of food. And Job is in the midst of something here. Um, the, the pile up of trials that he has been through, the traumas, have left Job um, emotionally, mentally a pile of ashes. Yeah. And, and it's uh, easy to get there, isn't it? 
I mean, when you're sitting yeah. in, when, when you're sitting in that pile of, and, and people listening in the midst of trials right now, when, when they're sitting in a heap of trials, when everything around them stinks, when, when life is upside down, when all those different things are going on, I mean, you've been there, you're sitting there in a heap of trials and you still got the kids down the hall, you still got a job, you still got life going on, the bills still got to be paid, all those different things. And I, I think that's going on with Job. Job can't see uh, how in the world do you take no cattle? Uh, you know, there were only a couple servants left a cup to tell them things. We, we don't know what happened to them, but I'm sure they went and got a job at Bildad or Zophar's place or, or something like that. Uh, so, I, I mean, Job's looking around. How in the world do I farm these, uh, you know, acres upon acres upon acres? And how do I get a house to live in? And, and I don't have any kids. I, I don't have anybody to bequeath all this to. And, and so he's there in that pile of ashes, Stephanie. He's, he's there. And I mean, you know, what's the first question I think that would come to your mind or came to your mind? I think the thing that came to Job's mind was that the same thing that would come to anybody's mind who's been through trials. Um, when you fear God and you hate evil and you're seeking to please the Lord and then something like this happens, um, you're put in a position where everything in you says, what have I done to cause this? Um, and you realize, you know, when you fear God and you realize that he's the God that Job talked about in the beginning of this chapter, who, who made the universe, who holds the, you know, galaxies and um, star clusters and planets and everything in their place in the universe. And then, you know, Job says, um, behold, he taketh away. Who can hinder him? Who will say unto him, what doest thou? And Job here is showing how much he still stands in reverence and awe of who God is. And, you know, as we read through those, um, the following verses, Job has not lost that fear and reverence of God. He does not hate God. He is not angry with God. Does he clearly not see what God's doing? Yes, he says that. Um, that um, I'm looking here, verse 11, Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not. He passeth on also, but I cannot, but I perceive him not. And I remember feeling that way the day Charles was killed. Yeah. Um, I mm. remember saying, God, if you're there. Yeah. And wow. it wasn't that I questioned if God was there, but at the same time I did question. It's like you know God's present. You know his promise is true that he never leaves or forsakes you. But when you're in the midst of that pile of darkness and ashes and grief and loss and pain, you know, God didn't, as I remember you telling me, God didn't create us to deal with these things. Yeah. And that's why his grace is the only way you can make it through those traumas and those trials and not completely lose it. And, um, what I see here is Job saying, um, you know, he knows that God is the one who's the strength, that God is the one who possesses the power to judge, and that no matter what I say to justify myself, my mouth condemns me. Um, it, you know, Job literally at this point sees no reason. He's obviously examined his heart and does not see why God has allowed this. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I think? I think that uh, 
you know what Job has done, in, in my opinion, in those first 20 verses is he's, you know, one of the theology words that we, we come up with is a word called inscrutable. And the, the word inscrutable actually means in a theology term, you know, they use it uh, uh, to talk about it's impossible to understand or in, interpret God. And that's what, in, in this particular case, I think it's talking about being inscrutable. And uh, I think that's what we're seeing right there in the text. And, and you're, you're kind of hitting that. It's impossible to do that. And then I think in, in, in verses 10 and 11, we see God as invincible. I mean, Job is, yeah. is just saying God is invincible, man. And, uh, and then we see God is indiscriminate. And it doesn't matter, Stephanie, uh, who the person is, who the individuals is. Trials come. And it goes back to what we talked about several times during this podcast. But then again today, you know, these trials come from two places. And most of them that we see in the Bible come from just sin being in the world, just sin messing everybody up. Uh, but there's Job, he's admitting these things. He's saying, listen, he, he says, you know, he's inscrutable. I, you don't know, none of us can figure out the mind of God. We're these finite human beings serving an infinite God. Uh, he's, he's too big for us. And I like that Job shows that over there in 5 through 9, uh, chapter 9, and, and then goes on and talking about how invincible he is in 12 uh, through 20 and in those different areas and boy God is invincible and and wonderful and 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 then we and we were talking about the indiscriminate but when we think about this when God does not uh, everybody has trials I guess is what that indiscriminate indiscriminate was was I just talking about he doesn't discriminate um, what do you think Stephanie I mean why what's what's God's method in your mind for the trials you went through have you come to a a place where you're 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 seeing why you went through some of your trials. Well, I think um, ultimately, when I look at the trials that God has taken the children and I through, um, I constantly have to come back to the concept that my entire life is to bring honor and glory to God, and. Um, Paul says, whatsoever, you know, um, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that includes going through a trial. Yeah. And um, ultimately, that's what my life is to be about, is bringing honor and glory to God. And, um, you know, I think it's the life of Joseph, of Job, of Daniel, um, of Esther, of so many in the Bible that went through things that were hard and we're, you know, went through things that made no sense, that were traumatic, that were difficult. And yet in each of those situations, those Bible heroes in the end, because they stayed faithful, because they chose to trust God in the midst of their own darkness, they brought incredible glory to God. And, um, Job isn't seeing that at this point. Job right now, um, as I look at verse 9, um, I think Job has become very pessimistic. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's pretty much saying he fears God and he hates evil. But I think he's reached a point here of there's nothing good left in life. Yeah. And yeah. to a certain extent, I think he did believe that God hated him. Yeah. And it wasn't that he was going to stop fearing God, but I think he did had reached this point of just thinking that there's no difference between the proud 
and the perfect. There's yeah. no difference between yeah. the wicked and those who are seeking to please God as far as how God's going to deal with them. Yeah. Boy, that's good information. I think perfect timing. Um, you know, folks, as we wrap up uh, the first part of chapter nine here, there's so much to get out of this. And the biggest thing to, to come away with this or these trials are going to make you a better person. These trials are going to make you a better friend. They're going to make you a better husband or wife. They're, they're going to make you a better brother or sister or son or daughter, or whatever your interpersonal relationships are. God's going to use these trials to help you. And, and it's so important to, to take them that way and to turn them around and put them to good works for God around this world. Well, we sure do love you folks. And uh, just a couple words before we go. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. One of the more exciting things about our ministry is being able to tell people how they can know for sure they're saved and believe in Jesus Christ and spend eternity in heaven. The Bible tells us there's four things we need to know to be saved. The first thing it tells us is we're all sinners. The Bible says there are none righteous. It says that everybody in the world is a sinner. The second thing that the Bible teaches us is there's a price on sin. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. The third thing and the good news that the Bible teaches us today is it says, but God commendeth his love toward us while we were yet sinners before we were even born, Christ died for us. So we can know we're a sinner. We can know there's a price on sin, but thank God that Christ died for us. Then the Bible says we must speak it in our mouth and believe it in our heart that all we need to do is pray to God, believe it in our heart that Christ has died for our sins and ask him to save us in Jesus Christ's name. And you know what, folks? He will. If we can do anything to help you in that area, please send us a message. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources and to help continue this podcast, visit us at woundedspirits.com.